Welcome to the Woot and Why NFL podcast, proudly brought to you by William Hill, where you'll find faster, easier betting on the NFL. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Woot and Why Show. I am Josh Why. I'm joined by my co-host again, Josh Woot. How are you going, buddy? Mate, very well. Very, very well. It's, what about you? You yeah. going? You going good? I'm good. I'm good. We're at the halfway point of the season, and I hope everyone enjoyed our mid-season review. If you haven't listened to it yet, um, it's not really heavy on the news. It's more heavy analysis on the first year and a bit of fun, and we, we look back at some predictions, make some new ones, and hand out some awards. We try to be different on a lot of them, and uh, it's very enjoyable. It went for about an hour and 15 minutes, so we're going to make this one a little bit shorter, uh, just so we don't take too much of your time this week. But uh, I'm good. Done in 15. Done in 15. <laughs> Let's do this. Ready? God in 15 seconds. Uh, good good Cage movie, that one. That's probably one of Cage's actually all right movies, right? Gone in 60 seconds. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, didn't mind that one. It's up it's there. All right. It's up there. But yeah, it's it's a, it's been a good week for sport, and I'm talking about the Cubbies. Uh, you're a bigger baseball fan than me. Saying to you just before we went on air that that's the first ever baseball game I've watched from start to finish. I normally just can't get into baseball, but that might be the game that gets me into it, and the ratings were the same. It was one of the biggest ratings, and I, I watched the crowd outside Wrigley Field live on an Earth cam on my work computer and seen their reaction and all the all the stories. There's a, there's a video of an 80-year-old guy Grandpa, sorry, he's not 80. He's been waiting 80 years for it. Uh, another another bloke who watched the game at his father's grave because he promised he'd watch them in the World Series with his father. Like, there's just all these awesome stories r- relating to the Cubs. It's it's fantastic. Yep. And uh, did you see the, the value of the final out ball is valued at $3 million? So whoever has that. Yeah, he put it in his pocket straight away. I noticed that when he, as soon as the guy caught I wouldn't wouldn't have a clue who his name is. No, nah, me either, but mate, you did, you hold on to that thing. Oh my that god, is... as if you would. <laughs> and just the, I loved uh, like Theo Epstein was just dropping f bombs in, like as the interviews went on, he just got progressively drunker and drunker and drunker. And by the last one, I think he dropped about three f bombs in the interview live on television. It was oh, as if as if he cares. I know who cares? He gives a crap. He's he's got to the Hall of Fame. He's is a genius. It was just unbelievable. And yeah, he just did not give a. In true style, I'll imitate him. And then one of them was with Bill Murray as well, which was just uh, when Bill Murray's involved, you know it's good. Yeah, mate. Everything, everything Bill Murray related is mm. just beautiful. But, Can be made into a t-shirt. Yes, uh, our friend Ruiz loves a good Bill Murray t-shirt. Makes he actually makes some as well. Uh, if you, I don't know where that is, I'm not going to give him a plug. But uh, yeah, at, I think. At- the Lord. <laughs> he is the Lord. He he was in our very second episode of the Wooten Wire Show. If you want to go all the way back, I, I don't think you should, but uh, the sound quality... I don't even and, know if you can. Uh, uh, yeah. I don't know if you can. <laughs> the Lost Files. I think we've deleted. Yeah, they they were tapes back then. <laughs> we're not that odd. Uh, <laughs> but I think, is that the... Like, how does that rate in baseball games? I know, like, you 
you watch a lot more than me, but I like a lot of people are saying that's one of the greatest games of all time, a greatest game seven in baseball history. Like, I guess maybe oh, it was a it was an amazing game seven, and I mean, if you want, you know, the game had everything, so it was it was extremely good. And the only thing it didn't have is like a, a huge comeback win. That's the only thing. I mean, it nearly did. Yep, but. Yeah, that's the only thing it essentially didn't have. So, I mean, there could have there could have been a bit of a fight, but um, yeah, the only thing imagine imagine it just started raining like torrentially and it was like postponed to like the next day or something. Yeah. And that just would have been it would have been insane. It would have been insane. it got to a point though when they clawed it back to eight seven in the final inning that I thought you watch here like <laughs> this crowd could just be put into absolute depression if they hit a two-run homer walk-off here. That would have been amazing as well. But yeah, it, it it was very, very tense. Uh, and I, I did love that there was a comeback, but not a comeback victory. It, it made everything exciting, but it made me feel like it was like you could have got a bit of a golf thing there where it, the playoff hole was on the next day, so you had to come back for like one innings. Yep. And imagine just like the ratings then would have just been absolutely huge. Like it would have been... The players wouldn't have gone massive. Any sleep? No. How how would you go to sleep after that? How like that'd be just insane. Imagine if, imagine if it like you know, it got washed out with like one one pitch to go. You just <laughs> that 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 can actually happen, can't it? I got, I got no idea, but it it, it if it started like torrentially downpouring, I'd imagine it would. But yeah. <laughs> imagine coming back for one pitch. Anyway, it didn't happen, but the the Cubs they break the guru. So it didn't have everything. <laughs> no. What's what's that line from uh, uh, Team America? Um, now I've seen everything, and then the guy's like, "Have you seen a man eat his own head?" No. Then you <laughs> haven't seen everything. Pretty much. Pretty yeah. Much. But yeah. It was it was great. Uh, some other stuff that's happened during the week. Our our friend Adam Gotsis, he's in Sunday Night Football. We're going to preview that later, but. He got the uh, Jimmy Fallon treatment from uh, the NFL superlatives. Jimmy didn't hold back as well, so just have a listen. Here's uh, Adam Gotsis. He was voted most likely to grab the Clippers out of his barber's hands and say, now I try. <laughs> nice. Interesting. Very specific award. Uh, <laughs> very harsh. Taking a dig at Adam's haircut. Uh, obviously hasn't seen Adam's recent haircut since he got done at the rookie, the rookie haircut. <laughs> was he too harsh? Um, uh, I'm not sure about too harsh. I mean, these players must have thick skins. Well, especially for, I mean, I know they don't really have a choice and they have to join in with the whole rookie initiation thing. But, I mean, he allowed people to do that to him. So, you know, they have to have thick skin. They have to. Exactly. Adam has a good sense of humor. And we uploaded it uh, today, the photo with the superlative under on our Facebook page and, and attached the video clip. And the first person to like it was Adam's brother. So uh, I think he, Shout out to Pete. yeah, I think Pete loved it. So um, I think Pete. Anytime now, Pete's got a national television, uh, international television show slagging on his brother. That's just great ammunition for uh, for him going forward. So that's uh, that's yeah. superb. Speaking of television shows, our uh, when we were in our final year of high school, our school captain was a guy called Brent Bertolisio, and I was watching. Still a sh- can't believe he was school captain, by the way. Like. Yeah, that scenes. Uh, I'm sure he's not listening, but uh, if he were, um, yeah, we, you know, you know, we're rooting for Brad. Let's be honest here. And yeah. uh, 
Brad was rorted. It's a ripoff. I demanded investigation. But he he's on a he's on a show on Channel Seven called First Dates, uh, which is airing on Tuesday night. So we're gonna watch that together, and then we're gonna talk about it on the show. So I hope if everyone's you know I don't care if you're not interested, we're gonna talk about it. But he's dating the woman that apparently got a refund from eHarmony because they couldn't find her a match. That's that's how you know she's a keeper. <laughs> she she didn't she blame the actual she blamed the website. Yeah, she did. Not her or anything. No, not and then, her. Uh... And then she had a she had a date on the show, right? And and the guy was awesome. He was really nice. And then she rejected him, like after complaining that she never gets second dates. And I don't know. It, it was he looked uh, bored out of his mind. He he did look a bit bored, and but we'll wait and see how that pans out. But I I, I was remember watching the show and thinking, imagine like who are the who are these people that actually sign up for this crap? And then. The ad for next week comes on, and my girlfriend just starts like screaming because she's like, "Oh my god, it's Brad!" And oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. If anyone's had any like family or friends on reality TV, let us know because that's uh, I'm a glutton for reality TV. Oh god, oh god. Some are some are horrible. Some are alright, but some are the the worse they are, the better. No way. Telling you, except Survivor, that's just all time. That's that's just good. That's actually good. Good. Not so bad uh, that it's good. All right, calm down. What's what else has been grinding your gears this week before we uh, jump into some NFL news, buddy? Mate, I told you to put this in here because it it bothers me. Anyway, you know when you are walking barefoot on grass and you just think, "Is this a good idea? This grass looks luscious or whatever." And then take two steps in, you're halfway in, you're halfway across the lawn. And then you get a sharp pain in the middle of your the sole of your foot. Yep. And you, you go, great, bloody bindies, right? Yep. Anyway, today I'm at work and someone goes, you know what annoys me? Don't ask why I said it, but I just went, I don't know, bindies? And then he went, no, she, she went, what's a bindi? And then I just looked oh, at no. her with a, with a stunned look on my face and went, guys, she doesn't know what a bindi is. And then they went, what's a bindi? And then I was, oh, I went, no. wait, wait, what? Who are you and working then, with? So I asked around the team, and I do work in Parramatta, the most multicultural city in Australia, essentially. Fair enough. And I'm like, okay, none of the Kiwis in my team knew. No one from India, Pakistan knew, you know, what it was. I've got some Europeaners. I've got a Russian. I've got, you know, all these things are the people that I work with. And no one knew what it was. So what do they refer to them as? For the Russian. <laughs> the, the Russian you. The Russian you. So anyway, I I said, uh, no one knows what it is. And my Russian uh, colleague said, they I guess they don't walk barefoot on grass. And they went, oh, you're talking about prickles. And oh, I was like, oh, my God. They call them prickles? Prickles. This is the Kiwis. The Kiwis are calling them prickles. So... There you oh, go. Boy. But we we loosely base we base we base all spiky tiny weed substances or whatever substances matter <laughs> as did I stutter? Don't you? Yes. So I I'm talking about those just the one sharp spike that attach is attached to a dried out miniature maple leaf. Yes. You know the one I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Those, so you've got those bad boys. Got, that is Them the killers. you know the o that's the OG of. Bindies oh, right absolutely! There. They're the killer. then you've got then you've got the furry ball spiky yep. ball wannabe, the one that I looks like a hedgehog. Bindies. 
Yeah. I also call them bindis. Do you not? Do you, what do you call them? Yeah, you no, call they're, them bindis? no, they're all bindis. I think the only thing I don't really call bindis are the ones that where it's like the plants green and then the um like the sharp bits are like clear. I think that's I call that a prickle. Does that what make is sense? That? It's like a bit of a bigger plant though. It's like a. Oh no! I know what you're talking about. Yeah. You're talking about a thistle. Yeah, the thistles. But I call them. I call those things that get stuck on your feet prickles. I don't know. Yeah, well, this they're, is, they're, we're deep diving they, here, and thistles, prickles, and prickly. bindies start but the show. You've also you've also got those ones that if you were say at a farm and you were walking through a field and you had the little the little stick spiky ones that stick into the side of your yep in your socks. You know those ones? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even like I'd even loosely base them. As bindies. Ooh, I don't know about that. That's. I know. I'm just you. But if you stood on something and you didn't know but what it was, you'd colloquially, say away. I can't say the word, but colloquially, wow. Did colloquially. I, I think they fall under the bindi umbrella there. I think I think they all do, but I just prickles. But there's some other words. I remember when we when I was in like overseas and I was talking about you know your indicator and I called that I called it a blinker, and yep. no one knew what the hell I was talking about. So I'd I'd love to hear like if. Any of the American listeners uh, yeah, can chime in on Twitter or whatnot. Any words that we like? I, I talked about my thongs the other day, and I got a tweet from RJ Chow asking me what thongs were, and I had to explain that they were flip flops. So there's another thing that we just refer to things differently. So yeah, they were talking about their front lawn spikes. That'll be what their bindies are called. Yeah, their front lawn spikes. No, and I remember when we were, <laughs> I remember when we were in the states, and I will at a USC game, and I wanted to buy like a like a jumper, and I asked, like, how much for the... It was a hoodie, and I said, how much for the jumper? And the guy behind the thing was like, there's a jumper? Where? And started looking up at the roof. Brilliant. Yeah. Good, so, mate. Great Scare stuff. everyone. Yeah. Oh, thanks. But, uh, yeah, I, I do want to know what RJ was thinking halfway through the story if he thought I wasn't talking about my flip-flops. All right, not much news going on. There's a lot of injury news, but we try to cover that in the games, and it's mostly just every person left, right, and center is questionable or doubtful at this point because they changed all the the injury ruling. So so you're either questionable or you're playing, really. But let's start with uh, North Turner, who resigned as the Vikings' offensive coordinator. coordinator. Literally hours after we finished our our last podcast, but uh, it was a bit of a shock. He's uh, been calling the plays in Minnesota since Mike Zimmer took the job in 2014. So... It's uh, it's a little bit of a shock that he just walked away, and they were they're both after their losses when they they started five and zero, and and their offense has struggled the last two week two weeks. They're thirty uh, first in total yards and twenty fifth in points, but you know they lost Bridgewater and Adrian Peterson, and they've lost injuries on the offensive line. So there's a lot of factors going into it, but it is very very surprising to see him just quit. And Mike Zimmer said the same. He said he was very very surprised. But uh, what's your thoughts on Turner walking away? Now, this may sound a little bit out there, but I think he was doing it to, for his future. I really do for think he was future. doing it to, for Norv's future and to save his job in the future so he might get another gig somewhere else. Mm, don't you see Don't you see that? It was probably going to be his last season there anyway. Yeah, exactly. But And and also, you just you, it's such a, a nothing offense. Nothing was going. And it was just the pieces, the pieces in that offense are just so... You know, they're just so stagnant. There's nothing exciting in that offense now. I mean, I think it would have been completely different had Peterson stayed on and Bridgewater. It, it, you know, it could have yeah. been far more exciting, but this this whole situation hurts him a lot. Mm. So I think 
I think it does make sense. Get out now, and then you still hold some of that value. They can they can look at that and say, hey, well, he was dealing with Bradford and injuries. It's a very selfish move. Yeah, it it is. But I mean, you know, that, it's you know, it's hard. The guy for... might be just the guy might just be doing it out of the kindness of his heart, thinking, hey, you know what? There's better options out there. Yeah, and he did say that it just didn't quite work. Um, he said it just wasn't working. Him and Zimmer were were clashing over a few things, and he said he had too much respect for Zimmer to to keep struggling with it, and he he thought it would be best for the team um, if he did step away. So maybe he did think about that as well as as his own self. You know, at, at the end of the day, a lot of people deep down, you know, are motivated by their own interests and we'll wait and see how it pans out. But it's hard for Zimmer now to rally the troops and rally your team when you've got your coaches quitting and walking out. It, it's really hard to to get your offense motivated and especially this O-line to, to really get motivated. But I'll say this, Pat Shermer was the guy that was apparently calling the plays for the first couple of weeks to help Bradford's transition into the into the Minnesota scheme and, and offense, and they played a lot better when Shermer was calling the plays because he knows Bradford really, really well, and he uses the tight ends very well. So now Shermer is taking over as offensive coordinator. I think you'll see Shermer use a lot more tight ends and bring them in to help with that O-line in terms of blocking, and you might actually get a rejuvenated Vikings offense. I think it might help. We'll get to that in the preview, but against this Detroit defense, this might be the game to get it, you know, Give it a bit of a shock uh, and and get him kick started again. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't I don't mind Pat Sherman Sherman Shermer. Did I start? Yeah, no, I, I I really don't. I think I think he was a bit hard done by in Philly, and I don't know. I, I like what they've. I like. Um, I still think Bradford is a solid quarterback in the right circumstances. So I mean, we'll we'll have to wait and see. But it, yeah, if you're going to bounce back against anyone, Detroit is a good opponent. Exactly. Opponent to do did it. Did I stutter? We've hit that. Did I stutter? It dropped. I know you can't hear it, but like way too many times today already. But uh, I do worry about the, the Vikings' offense, and I said this to Mitch during the Moneyball episode, is that for the Vikings' offense to be just like league average, they had to have Bradford playing at a career best. So that's a concern because he can't play at his career best throughout the whole season. It's just not sustainable, especially with the hits he's taking. Yeah, no, exactly. Even though he does play best when under pressure, which is weird. Yep. Uh, speaking of the Eagles, you mentioned them before about Pat Shermer, but Eagles kick returner and wide receiver Josh Huff was charged with DUI on Tuesday. On top of the DUI, he was also charged with speeding, possession of marijuana, unlawful possession of a weapon, of a weapon, sorry, carrying a six hollow point and six, sorry, did I stutter? Of a weapon, and then he carried six hollow point bullets. I don't know what they are. And tinted windows. So, uh, my gun references on point, really, really at this part of the season. Uh, Doug Peterson said on Wednesday that Huff would play this week despite being arrested in charge of DUI, but then the team changed their mind and changed the heart and just said, you're out of here, and dropped him. Yeah, well, I think he was playing, you know, like criminal bingo, seeing how many offenses he could... <laughs> be caught for at once. He's up there with Sheldon um, Richardson. Mate, he smashed him. He smashed him. <laughs> no, or it was just a horrible bet and went, oh, you know, you couldn't get away with that. And I bet you he went, mate, I can get away with anything. Well, watch this. And then did as much things. Or option C is just stupid. Yeah, I'll yep. go with that one. Yep. A hollow point bullet, by the way, is um, the tip of the bullet is kind of like it's flat or like, pointed back in towards the bullet so okay. it's blunter when it goes in so it causes more damage wow. so it's not okay if 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 it was a self defense kind of thing you wouldn't be going for a bullet like that you would have yeah. regular normal bullets if you're like shooting these big, bullets yeah if you're shooting big yeah cans. these bullets are 
purchased to actually inflict harm and like cause harm to things. All right, so Josh Huffy's kind of an absolute. The guy's a nut. Yeah, all right. He's a psycho. Anyway, but good decision um, to get ready. It was it was a bit weird the way they approached it because even uh, like reports were coming out and everything sounded so serious. And then at the same time, you were thinking, what does Philly know? Because they're all saying, oh, yeah, Dad Pedersen expects him to play this week and things like that. You just think, what all of a sudden happened? So, I mean, the guy has played, you know, I mean, he won special teams player of the week two weeks ago. So, I mean, he's he hasn't been playing bad mm. special teams. He hasn't been doing lighting up on offense. He's very special. Special team. Special special teams he's been playing, you know, okay. But yep. I mean, we have we, they have Darren Sproles and things to do the yep. exact same thing, and that guy just lights up the field whenever yep. he's on. Huff made a game changing play against against Minnesota though, so that might help you in the long run towards the playoffs. So you can thank him for that. But hopefully, we won't see him again in the NFL. Let's move on to Thursday night football recap. Uh, Falcons forty three, Buccaneers twenty eight. There's not really much to to take away from this, except for Matty Ice continuing his MVP campaign. He's on pace for 5,296 yards, 41 touchdowns, 69.6 completion rate, 9.55 yards per attempt, and 119 passer rating. That 9.55 yards per attempt is really impressive when you think about it. Uh, Only 2011 Rodgers with 9.73, and Kurt Warner in 2000 with 10.63 have a higher yard per average through nine games since 1950. So, He's not just dinking and dunking his way. He is taking deep shots down the field and pulling off big chunk plays, and he did it again against the Bucs. Uh, he's playing good, isn't he? He is. Isn't he? It's and our, giving me great joy. I love Matty Ice. Our best wide receivers in fantasy are just... Killing it. And that was my next point. They, strength to strength. They put on a show. Touchdowns galore. That was an insane catch from Mike Evans, the one-handed. Then you had the insane touchdown grab from Julio Jones. Uh, I vined it and labeled him an alien ballerina because it was just... Like, I don't think humans can make that catch. And then he had the tippy toes and was pirouetting. And uh, and I put ballerina because I didn't want to try and attempt the word pirouette on, in a vine. And But, nice. yeah, 111 yards and a touchdown for Julio. 11 catches, 150 or a buck 50 for Evans and two touchdowns. So uh, they're definitely fighting it out for a, an all-pro spot opposite A.J. Green at the end of the year, I think. I think the three of them, Antonio Brown's been great, but he's just, you're so used to that from Antonio Brown. But I think Mike Evans is really showing that he is an elite wide receiver in the NFL. Yeah, I still have Julio above AJ Green. I know you like AJ Green, but I still think Julio's having a better year. Mm. I think it's 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 those two wide receivers for me. I think I, I, think, I agree. Yeah. Evans is having a good year, but Julio and AJ are just yeah, on an, flat out. On, on another level. And it was, it was your typical game from Jameis Winston. Very inconsistent, flashed some plays and... Had some costly turnovers in fumbles in this case, but he and Evans need some help because the Bucks, they just they, they obviously the injuries to the running back they can't really help, but the offensive line and the defense, especially outside pass rush, outside of Gerald McCoy, who's just great every single week, he just doesn't get much help. Uh, in the secondary, it's just Tampa's been. It's I feel like they've been the Tampa's issues for like three seasons now, and they still haven't. Much like the Colts, they haven't addressed their issues. They haven't, and I I don't think. Dirk is a good coach. No, I've gone really cold on him. I, I liked getting rid of Lovey Smith for Dirk, and I still think that was probably the right move. I don't rate Lovey Smith that much better either. So maybe they can look for something else going forward. But, you know, they're 3-5, and five, but they're, they're, they're lucky to be 3-5, and five, really. Very lucky. 
Yeah, extremely yeah. lucky. They're, they're they're a weird team, and th- this is the one positive though. Jameis Winston's only twenty two, which is crazy when you think about it. Yeah, I know. I know we say all this, and but sometimes I don't know. Sometimes I just think we have so much faith in these players, but you know, some of them are just bound to let us down. And when you look at it, you think how long there has only been say eight good quarterbacks and the rest really average. So like a, a pretty bad ratio there. And then you've got the rest of them, which are just, you know, meh kind of thing. But then you see all the, you think you're looking at all these quarterbacks that you rate relatively high. So like you've got the new breed with Wentz and Dak, and then you've got players like Mariota and uh, Winston from the generation before. And then you like, and Bortles, and then you've got, hang on, who else am I missing? I'm Derek missing Carr. Yeah, Derek Carr, that's the person, thank you. So Derek Carr and things like that, that we're looking at all as, you know, above average players already, and then you're expecting them to just keep growing and get better and better and better. You're not going to have half the league with elite quarterbacks. So some of them have to let us down. Some have to... It's never, yeah. it's never been that way. There's never been this many, like that many good quarterbacks. So some of them that we're re- really rating highly at the moment aren't that good. So we yep. just need to figure out which ones. They have to <laughs> deviate to the mean. This week's NFL lines are brought to you by William Hill. Faster, easier betting. All right. So we uh, both hit on Atlanta today. Uh, that, was a, that was a pretty easy one. Thursday night football. Uh, a road team getting up finally after home teams winning. So, so far now, you're 57, 57, and 7 on the year. I'm 59, 55, and 7 on the year. So, uh, we're doing all right. We're back into the uh, winning size. So, now it's onwards and upwards for the rest of the rest of the season. We'll start with this Pittsburgh and Baltimore game. At the moment, there's no line because there's speculation over Big Ben. The talk is that he will be starting. So, at the moment, it's a, pretty much going to be a pick him at $1.91. Pittsburgh traveling on the road at Baltimore. Obviously, if Big Ben plays, that's a, a huge huge difference to, to Landry Jones. Exactly, exactly. So, I mean, so who do you think is going to play? I think Big Ben will play because he's not human. Like when Every time he said he gets an injury and they say it's six weeks, the guy's back in four. Every time it's four weeks, he's back in two. And it just seems like they're playing coy to try and disrupt. It's all fun and games because it's a division rivalry. It's a, it's a tense division against the Ravens and Terrell Suggs came out and said, I expect big men to play. This is just part of their games. But if he is out though, Pittsburgh is a one and six against Baltimore with big Ben without big Ben. So it's not a good, but all those losses didn't come by more than six points. So they do play them tough. So if he is out and you're getting points with Pittsburgh, it might be worth a look. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think it's my impression that big Ben will play as well. I I can't remember who, who said it. They came out and said, he's not fooling anyone. And that they expect him to play. Yeah, that was, Did you see this? Yeah, that was. I think that was Terrell Suggs. Yeah. So, yeah, I I I see him playing. I can't see um, mm. Jones Jones lining up. I feel but, like I feel like Baltimore are the exact same team now in terms of what we thought of them to the start of the season. They were one of the like the toughest teams to read and judge. And this season's been like that. They started with three straight wins. Now they've had you know, four straight losses, and it hasn't been an overly difficult schedule. The, the back half of the year is a harder schedule, so I'm not sure. I know they've had the buy, and they're going to get healthy, but still probably no Steve Smith or Dumerville, but I, I just, if Big Ben's playing, I can't go past Pittsburgh. Me either, and the buy hasn't seemed to be helping anyone this this year. It's it weird. seems to have been, and uh, like all the teams that are going well, I mean, when a team's playing well, they never want the buy. They just want to keep rolling, but I mean, 
if they've been going well, if they've been going bad, it doesn't matter. If they've all been, you know, suffering. So yeah. I don't know. We'll we'll see. I, if Big Ben plays, I can't see them losing. They just they just have too much, and the Baltimore Ravens just have far too many question marks. It's, that's that's how we went into the season. We didn't know what to expect from them, yep. and now we're halfway through. And after a good start, and then a shaky finish to the first half of the season. We have no idea. Exactly. And, you know, Le'Veon Bell's been killing it this season. He's averaging 147 all-purpose yards since he's got back. But Baltimore are the number one rushing defense by DVOA, but they're also 24th against number one wide receivers. So if if Big Ben plays, look for Antonio Brown to torch that secondary. So uh, it seems like we're both picking Pittsburgh, but that's a game that we may change out and tweet our picks out on uh, on Monday morning, given given the health and and all that sort of stuff. Moving on, this one this one's a very easy game. Dallas minus seven on the road, a dollar ninety one. Cleveland at a dollar ninety one. You look at this game, and it's going to be a track meet for Ezekiel Elliott. It, you just it's so hard to see where they can stop him. You know, Cleveland's run defense is an absolute disaster. They're ranked thirty first in Football Outsiders, and Dallas are ranked second. So, and I just can't see any person on Cleveland's defensive line. You know making plays against Tyron Smith and, and this offensive line. I know every week you'd want Elliot in your fantasy team, but my God, this week would be great. Oh, you just like lock it in. I know just breaking off big runs, up, big run after big run. This if week. you can get, a, um, if you can get a prop bet of like over 200 yards, like I might take it. I reckon they'll rest him. I reckon it'll be a big Alf Morris. Game. Yeah, that could be, there's a contrarian play for you. Alfred Morris in fantasy. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, Seven seems insane. You think it should be higher? Yeah, yeah. It's just it's bizarre to me. It's bizarre. I know Cleveland, you know, McCowan, but well, we're not sure if it is McCowan. Like, there's talk about Cody no, I know. Kessler I'm this saying, week as well. I'm, they're, they're, so. I'm saying that is kind of like the the thing that they're keeping the line kind of tentative, and that if he isn't playing, I'm sure it'll get it'll be, it'll, it'll blow out a bit more. Yeah, but I think it'll move over the weekend if you want to get on now. I think that's the time. Yeah, but but uh, yeah, if McCowan does, it's probably a little bit more appropriate to mm. be there. But even saying that, I'd, I'd still like it if McCowan's playing or not. Mm, exactly. Uh, look, Corey Coleman's back, and and Dallas are missing Claiborne and Barry Church, so that's the one thing going in in Cleveland's favor in this game. But Dallas are six and zero against the spread this year. I'm taking Dallas minus seven. Um, and I'm, you know, I might lock it up, to be honest, but we'll get to our picks and locks later. Jacksonville plus seven, traveling on the road at $1.95, taking on Kansas City, who are minus seven at $1.87. Jacksonville sacked their coach, offensive coordinator, Greg Olson, this week, who uh, you know means that he can focus on playing tight end for the uh, Panthers a little bit more, which you know might, <laughs> might help them. That joke's never been made, right? Never. Never. So this game's interesting. Do you know how many times I resisted? And the midweek pod. Yeah. I resisted so hard. I wanted to and say it. I forgot about it. it. That's why I brought it up here. <laughs> tut, tut, tut. But look, Alex Smith probably... Not, it's very weird. He doesn't have a concussion, but he has a head injury. So like, what is it? Um, I don't know. He, probably, he was probably forced to learn a new play. And yep, so. uh, that was longer than 10 yards, and he's gone, oh, mate, I don't know. Mm. I don't know what to do. It's like having your pen license, but always just writing with a pencil. just doesn't make sense. That was a weird analogy. I don't, I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know where that came. You don't from. know why. I don't know. Uh, where, uh, thank you. I don't know where that came from. But look, Chiefs could be without, he, could be without Alex Smith, Spencer Ware, and Justin Houston, and Jeremy Macklin didn't practice on Thursday, so it is give interesting. Me the Chiefs, I don't care. Yeah, 
I was going to say the Jags have lost their past ten straight against AFC West teams. So, and they're playing away. They just suck away. Yeah, it is. Yeah, if it goes, oh, I don't know. No, I can't do it. I just it seems a lot for the Chiefs, especially if you got Nick Foles playing at quarterback. That's always a concern, and you got to be wary of the team. Remember when? Buffalo sacked their offensive coordinator and they were playing against Arizona and we loaded up on Arizona that week and then Buffalo came out and killed them. I just get similar vibes from this one. I'm not taking them in my tips, but I think that's a game I'm going to avoid. But um, ESPN's FPI win projection gives the Chiefs a 77% chance of just winning this game. Not not with the line, but just in general. That's a huge, huge percentage. Moving on. You watch Foles come out and win by 20. All right. You love Foles. Uh, no, I don't. New York Jets plus three and a half at a dollar ninety-one on the road. Divisional game, Miami minus three and a half at a dollar ninety-one. This is an interesting game. Uh, Miami can make things a little bit interesting in the wild card race if they win this game, uh, despite their really bad start. But they can kind of build up some momentum and and start to get their offense, you know, back on track. Not back on track. They have been on track the last two games, but you know, start to build up some momentum, more momentum, and and roll with it and can, you know, play spoiler for teams and, and keep themselves, you know, at least they're outside because of all the, the the winning teams in the West, but there's still a chance. This game is a coin flip for me. Like, I'm struggling with it. It's it's you don't, it's weird. It is. And I just, I don't know what to make of either team. I'm not sure if New York Jets front seven is any good. And then I'm not sure if, like, what aspect of Miami are good. And it's just so confusing. They're, they're they're both the same team. Yeah. Just different. I think, this, I I think this matchup comes down to how Ryan Tannehill plays because the Jets are one thing the Jets have done well this year on defense is stop the run. They they allow a league low 74 rushing yards per game. And as we know, Miami's coming off two back-to-back 200-yard games from Jay Ajayi, but they're all, the Jets are the 31st ranked pass defense in the NFL. So I think they're going to have to pass. I think that's the matchup you have to exploit and it comes down to whether Ryan Tannehill can do that effectively, and if they can, I think they should win this game. But if if he plays like some of his bad Tannehill games, then the Jets could grab a few turnovers and roll roll over them and, and win this game. Yeah, and that's the thing. You don't you don't like I said. You don't know if this front seven or whatever for the Jets is any good. Like except against the run, obviously that's yeah, terrific. generating pressure. Gonna, you don't know if they're going to be able to generate enough pressure to throw Tannehill off, and that's a player that, you know, if you throw him off, yeah. they're off for the game. And they're his just... protection's been good the last two weeks, so, and that's helped know, That's so... helped his boost his performance. I, I'm leaning towards Miami in this. The Jets were terrible against Cleveland. I, they were a lot better in that second half, but they really struggled for three quarters of that game. So I'm taking Miami. It is at home. They're coming off a bye. I'm leaning towards Miami. Uh, three and a half annoys me. If it was three, I'd be far, far more confident. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah, I think I'd have to head Miami as well, only due to the fact that I it it's back to you know not giving Forte the ball this week. So we'll see. We'll see what happens in another two weeks when they remember to give him the ball. They'll probably they'll yeah. get back on the winning ship. Plus, Joj is going into the Hall of Fame. Don't you know that? Oh, mate, the guy. <laughs> Watch this. Yeah, three hundred yards this week. Yeah, Philadelphia plus two and a half at a dollar ninety one on the road uh, against the Giants minus two and a half at a dollar ninety one. I'll say this before you weigh in on the Eagles and your your chances. This has huge playoff implications. Uh, we are. It's in a must win for Philly. It's a must win for both. 
It's a, nah, we hate Philly saying, way more. If the Philadelphia Eagles win, they have a 63% chance of making the playoffs, but their playoff chances fall to 33% with a loss. If the Giants win, they have a 52% chance of making the playoffs and a 22% chance with a loss. So huge, yeah, more so for Philly, but it is it has huge playoff implications for both teams. And uh, the, the you've got to give the advantage to the Eagles. They're the number one team in DVOA at the moment. Um, you got you got to roll with them, I think. The Giants have a lot of pieces and their defense has played much better. But I look on the other side of the ball and I can see Fletcher Cox and... Brandon Graham generating pressure against a really bad Giants offensive line. I think the absence of Benny Logan hasn't been noted enough. He's underrated. Like, he's so underrated. Logan's it's run. frustrating. So, so frustrating that he's just not recognized. But the same, I mean, it, it's kind of good for Philly because at the same time, you know, Cox kind of flew under the radar and no one really game planned yep. or took him too seriously until he really burst onto the scene. But, um, yeah, no, I, I do like this matchup, but then at the same time, it kind of feels like a trap. It kind of feels like a bounce-back game for New, uh, New England, New York. And I don't know. I, I'm feeling really nervous. I mean, we lost Josh Harpy, such an integral piece. The guy does everything. <laughs> Dead no one ever. The guy is a psycho. Anyway, but I, do, I, I like Philly. I like Philly, but I think this is a. I think it's only it's only two and a half as well. Yeah, so it kind of it gives me hope. Yeah, and I think this is a pick'em game, really, and so I'm leaning towards the team that's getting the points at at this case. Um, and the Eagles have, you know, kind of had the wood over the Giants the last few years, and um, Odell Beckham's not quite a hundred percent. That hip injury is a legit concern, and the Eagles' pass defense is you know, one of the best in the NFL. So I think that's the real strength of the Giants' offense, and Philly's done a pretty good job in, in stopping teams. So I'm leaning towards Philly as well. I think you guys can win. But it's a, it's a definitely a, a must-win and a must-watch game for the uh, NFC East fans. Yeah, you, you haven't mentioned the, the Kardashian curse enough. I, I, oh, it's it's real. You see it's Tristan real. Thompson got Chloe's name tattooed across his back? Dude is cursed for life. <laughs> Life. Whatever happened to Barry? Uh, I mean, Barry. That's funny. Chris Humphreys. Barry Humphreys. <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, when you said Barry initially, I thought of the Yogo ad. Do you remember that? Barry. Barry. Yogo. I'll get, yeah. I'll get back to you, Barry. Oh, I do now. Yeah. Yeah. No, so that guy's been yeah. irrelevant ever since. But anyway. Yeah. Moving on, we've yeah, too and, uh, much about and that it's game. funny. Uh, Barry Humphreys kick it on strong. Detroit plus six at a dollar ninety-five on the road. Minnesota minus six at a dollar eighty-seven. Now this is a crucial game for the Vikings. They need to get things back on track, like we mentioned at the top of the show. So having Pat Shermer back in charge, hopefully this is a chance to lightning bolt their uh, their offense, and they can't ask for a better matchup. The Detroit Lions defense has allowed nineteen touchdowns already, and they're the worst. They're the worst defense in the NFL, according to Football Outsiders. So it's uh, it's all pointing towards the Vikings putting up points and and stopping this high-powered Detroit offense from uh, putting up points. So we'll wait and see. The Vikings have allowed uh, only 12.3 points per game at home this season. I mean, uh, we've, we've spoken about this. We've just, we've, I feel like we've covered it. Yep. Don't you? Yep. I feel like we've... I'm, I'm going Minnesota. So am I. There's like, only six, yep. so I'm just... Last week felt like a trap game, and it was. But now they're back at home. I feel like they'll implement the tight ends and help the blocking and help the pass protection and, and get things rolling. 
Vikings are six and one against the spread. That was the the one blemish was last week. So I'm rolling with them uh, here against Detroit. Carolina minus three at a dollar eighty seven. Traveling to Los Angeles plus three at a dollar ninety five. This matchup is just I think is too easy. I think Carolina uh, are much better than their record. I feel like uh, they'll start to get a roll, and I don't think they can win their division now. I think Atlanta are way too good, and we'll run away with that division. But Carolina are ranked fifth in rushing defense DVOA, allowing only 3.3 yards per carry to opposing running backs. They shut down David Johnson last week. LA are 31st ranked in rushing this year with Todd Gurley, which is crazy when you think about it, but their offensive line's been just terrible, and Gurley's got the lowest yards per carry average in the NFL, so it's up to Case Keenum to, to pass on the Carolina team and and try and win the game, and I, I can't see that. I'm, I'm putting my chips in the Cam Newton basket over Case Keenum. I know that's a huge call, and I'm going out on a limb there, Woot. Yeah, are we sure Girl is good? Yeah, yeah, he is. Remember? <laughs> no, I'm called oh, Thank God. I, I, I'm not... <laughs> you're like, oh, God. What have, what have, what's I thought you are doing... I thought you were going Zach Ertz on me. When He's I... been hanging out with Josh Huff too much. No. <laughs> I have not you... been Josh Huffing. <laughs> see what I did there? That's, that's a pun on many levels. <laughs> That was good. Thank Shout you. Shout out to our smart listeners. Oh wait, they don't listen. <laughs> we don't have any. <laughs> oh, now we've just now we've just lost them. No, you guys are all smart. Thank you for tuning in. You are you made a yeah. you made a great decision by listening. Oh god, no. This it's one of those games where they they're kind of luring you in. It 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 freaks me out. It it feels like a trap game. It feels too easy. It feels like like you said. Carolina's record is far worse than what the actual team is. And looking at the game, you just think, what do they know? It's kind of like that yeah, game where Vegas you just think, LA played so bad and they'll, they'll come out and beat Seattle or whatever. Like how they just they come out against those teams mm-hmm. and they just fire up and win. But this isn't going to be a defensive grind battle. It's not going to be that game that it could have been last season. So oh, I, I, think yeah, it, I, think, I think it can be because... Los Angeles can generate pressure. We know what their front seven can do, and their, their defensive backs are actually played very well. Like they no, lost... see, that's the thing. That's the thing. I'm not nothing against LA. It's more the secondary and things of Carolina that I'm saying it's not going to be the same game that uh, it gotcha, could have been, yep. like say last year. Mm. So I think I think LA fires up when they're when they're, it's like two defenses that are just ferocious going at each other. But the Carolina defense isn't itself this season. So I think. You know, it might, you know, it might that, I'm trying to think of the word, the, the I don't know, the, the tension and, the, you know, the atmosphere that builds with those kind of defensive games won't be there and LA won't be able to feed off it like they normally do. Yep. So, yeah, I just, there you go. I just can't Analysis. see, I can't see Los Angeles scoring too many points. They, they average a league low 12.7 points per game at home. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Jared Goff in this game at some point. Apparently, he's been taking more reps at training. I don't know. I, I think Carolina minus three. I, I, uh... He can't take less, Josh. He can't take less reps. True. We could, actually. He really could. But uh, they won't do that. Jeff Fish is not that stupid. But well, actually, you know. <laughs> sure. Um, are you taking Carolina? I am. Yep. I thought you might lead him to Los Angeles there, but where you are going with that? Uh, New Orleans minus four and a half at a dollar ninety one. Traveling to San Francisco plus four and a half at a dollar ninety one. This is going to be a track meet as well. Plenty of running, plenty of rushing yards. Sheldon Rankins back for the Saints. That's huge. Delvin Bro might be back as well. But San Fran's run defense is how good is it? 
How good is it? <laughs> they're on pace it's to allow, they're on pace to allow two thousand nine hundred and sixty two rushing yards, which would be the most in thirty six years, and they've allowed a hundred yard rusher in six straight weeks. So. Tim Hightower and Mark Ingram are going to light up San Fran. And likewise, New Orleans' run defense is not good either. So Carlos Hyde could also generate a lot of running and rush yards. So I I just think whoever's whose offense do I trust more? And that's the Saints and Drew Brees. I know they're on the road and they're a different team. But uh, they've been good the last few weeks. I know they lost in Kansas City, but they've been a lot better than I thought. Uh, they're a team that I didn't rate at all. And um, I apologize because I was, I was off on them. They're... they're performed a lot better than I thought. Yeah, they have. It's been surprising. I mean, when we've been making our picks, we've, we've been mentioning, you know, New Orleans is a completely different team when they're not at the Superdome. And Drew Brees isn't the same quarterback, blah, blah, blah. And yep. yet they've, they've, they're kind of trying to turn that trend on its head a little bit. Yeah. I mean, they're obviously still far better when they're playing in New Orleans, but mm. that, that kind of whole storyline is going out the window. And I can't See, I'm liking this week's bets. I feel there's some real obvious ones, and I can't tell if they're traps or not. Yeah. Like, like the Carolina one. And, you know, I I do like this New Orleans one. Four and a half is it's good to me. Yeah, it, it, it kind of does feel like a trap because San Fran have had to buy, and they're at home, and New Orleans are traveling across the country. But And, you know, when you look at the Saints, they're the only team that allows 30 points per game. But I just can't see this this San Fran offense generating so much points. Like, I just feel like they won't be able to keep up with with New Orleans, who, who will be able to play a much more conservative game because they can control the clock and keep their defense well-rested on the field by just running it down San Fran's throat because they are that awful now since they've lost Navarro Bowman. So I think it is it is a lot. I can see why it is only four and a half, though, but I, uh, I, I like New Orleans. Like, I honestly, it doesn't. It wouldn't bother me who the running back was. I still think they'd have a good game. Yeah, I really hope, for fantasy's sake, they roll with Tim Hightower this week. I uh, picked him up. I'm desperate for running backs in my main league. Uh, oh, nice. uh, moving on, Tennessee plus 4.5 on the road, $1.91. San Diego minus 4.5 at $1.91. We named them the most fun team in the NFL, the San Diego Chargers. And I think that was not because they're the team of the podcast, but I just think that's the correct thing. They're, they're, all their games have been fun, and I think this one... Fun Diego. God, awful. Oh! That was bad. <laughs> Terrible. But I am worried about the Chargers this week. Uh, Denzel Perryman and Jatavis Brown are questionable, and when you're coming up against DeMarco Murray and Derek Henry and you're missing your leading tacklers and just thumpers on your defense, that's that's huge. Uh, I can see Tennessee running up you know, San Diego's throat and actually keeping this game very, very close, and I actually think Tennessee might be able to win this game. Um... Mm, gosh, I'm, I don't scares know. Me. For every for every couple of games that I feel Tennessee have been playing well, they reg- I <laughs> I jump on that bandwagon and then they put something. up a stinker. <laughs> yeah, and you just think what what happened to the last week? What happened, man? What happened? You let me down. Yeah. Um. I don't, uh, I am really keen to watch uh, Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram take. Ingram take on Taylor Lewan and Jack Conklin. Like they all four of them are having superb seasons. Two established young veterans, and then two uh, offense, offensive rookie of the year candidate. Really, Jack Conklin. I could not have been more wrong on him in the draft process. And Joey Bosa, the defensive rookie of the year, pretty much. Let's just give the award to him. So that's. Can I be just huge. say, by the way, yep. not that I was super high 
on Conklin, but I told you to tame your bloody I expectations. Just, yeah, I just... You know what? If the Colts did draft him, he probably would be a bust because it's just the way the Colts are. I just feel like he's better elsewhere. I just didn't think he was a better... I just didn't think he was a good what, fit that, in That's Indy. right. That's right. Every single expert had him sliding to the Colts originally. And you're like, we don't want him. Yeah, well, we, we don't, don't want him. And now you're like, oh my God, please, why? Yeah. Why? No, why I'm, I, I don't mind that tackle. I don't know. I mean, we'll get to the Colts later, but... It is going to be an interesting battle that Bosa's had at least two combined sacks and hits in each game he's played this this season. He's been crazy, so he can be a difference maker. But I don't know who to take in this. Uh, I feel like the, because it's at home, I'm, I'm leaning towards the Chargers, and I really think on their day the Chargers are a much better team. But the loss of Perryman and Brown do concern me a lot. Uh, do you want to pick first or me? I'll go the opposite to you. <laughs> I'll take the Chargers. All right, bring so, it home, Marietta. You're taking Tennessee. Wow. We All right, moving on. Indianapolis on the road, plus 7.5 at $1.83. Green Bay, minus 7.5 at $2. T.Y. Hilton's been questionable all week with a hip injury, but he uh, he did practice today. Uh, sorry, a hamstring injury. He did practice today. Uh, Vontae Davis is questionable with a concussion. If he's out, that's just... It's going to be a, an absolute score fest for Green Bay because uh, we allow the second most passing yards per game in the NFL at 288, and we also... Allow uh, the third, the third best uh, quarterback rating to opposing quarterbacks. So we're just, we're just not a good defense at all. And I feel like the Colts are the exact same team now to what we saw at the start of the year. Poor discipline, drops, plenty of hits on the quarterback, no pass rush. It's just the same problems every week because Chuck Pagano fails to make a adjustment. But he's a nice guy, Woot, so it's all right. Yeah, and um, I'm hearing talks of extensions. So... Right. Yeah. No. In all seriousness, though. I know he may not be the greatest coach and stuff, but the talent isn't there. Oh, it's Gr- Gregson's got to go as well. They both got to go. I just think, at, at least if we had a decent coach, he could at least do something with some of the. You, you see, plenty of coaches make things work with subpar talent. You know. Yeah, I mean, I mean, look at the Dallas defense. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But that was an actual dig. Yeah, I know. I know. That's why I joined it. The, but nice. The, but seriously. This could be ugly, but then at the same time, it could be one of those games where luck's like, hey, don't forget about me. I know everyone's excited to see Mr. Rogers over here, but, you know, I'm the next coming of Aaron Rodgers. Elway or whatever. <laughs> yeah. no, literally whatever. the next yeah. Aaron Rodgers. You, you, I, I hope so. I really hope so. But the Packers are 16-4 and four at home since 2014, and all the talk about Rodgers, all of a sudden the last – two games he's had seven touchdowns and no picks and then this season 15 different receivers have caught a pass the most in the nfl and i think the last couple of weeks the implementation of new bodies and fresh legs has actually really rejuvenated this offense and it, it allows jordy nelson and cobb to do their things but Devontae adams has had 12 at least 12 catches in two straight games could go for for 12 again in this game and uh ty montgomery's back they're getting a lot of healthy players back i'm taking the packers and I, th- I think they'll win and win comfortably. This could be ugly. It could end the Pagano era, hopefully. Celebrate good times. If that happens, what? Josh, I'm going to be so happy on Tuesday night after we watch Brent on first dates. And that'll bring you back to reality. Um, yeah, no, I'll pick Green Bay as well. It's at that Lambo as well. So, yep. yeah, I can't, I can't see it going any other way. All right, moving on to Sunday night football on NBC. Uh, Denver plus one at a dollar ninety one. 
Oakland at home, minus one at $1.91. This game, I am really keen and pumped up to watch. I am really excited. This this matchup is the is the crucial part. Uh, I heard this on uh, around the NFL. The Raiders' offensive line, they're allowing the fewest sacks and quarterback hits in the NFL, and the Broncos' front seven leads the league in sacks and quarterback hits. So it's a... Uh, an unstoppable object against what I, I always stuff this up, but a, a crazy force against an immovable object coming to a head, and whoever wins that crazy matchup, crazy force. Yeah, you've gone with crazy force against number. I need to look this up. Who, who does physics? Do I do physics around here? Help me out it with this. It is an unstoppable force against an immovable object. Yep. So in this case, the force is the Broncos' front seven, and the object is the Raiders' offensive line. I think whoever wins that battle will win the game. Yeah, I'm. I'm really interested to see how Carr plays. This is a this is a mm. game that Carr can really cement himself as you know An elite the next young quarterback. I think everyone's looking at him, thinking, okay, everything everything looks good. I know we underestimated him early, but now everything looks good. But how much of that is his offensive line and things like that? If he can just you know pick apart this defense, I'm not saying he's going to go out there and pick it apart, but you know, yep. have above-average success against a defense like this, I mean, people will have to start looking at this whole team as well as mm. uh, Derek Carr completely differently. Yeah, I think they're a very flawed team at the moment. They've been very lucky in a lot of games, and, and they get in a lot of shootouts. Uh, they're 5-1 five, they're five and one in games decided by eight points or fewer this season, So, um, which is fun. You know, they're either-all games, and Denver won a lot of you know either-all games last year, and they rolled... They rolled with it. There was a lot of close games, but you know sometimes that just happens in the NFL where you you develop that that mojo and you win those close games. So if it does get close, I think you trust Carr over Simeon, but I think I trust Von Miller more than Derek Carr at this point. And I I think Denver. I think this defense will uh, will get the better of Oakland here. I, I can't see Carr throwing for three hundred yards or five hundred yards like he's done in previous games against this this Denver defense, but I am really keen to watch this. This is, you know, sole division lead on the line. The loser could fall to third place if Kansas City win too. So it's a it's a huge game. It's it's and it's huge for playoff seedings as well and, and home field advantage because if Denver win this they, they get to play New England later on and they could actually even it up and get the get the uh, tiebreaker against New England. So there's a lot to a lot on the line in this game. I'm gonna go Oakland. Taking Denver. Oh we've got another one different. There you go. I, I'm taking I, Oakland. I, I just am, want to see. I am keen. It's a it's a really good primetime game, and uh, I'm really finally. Excited. It's good. It's 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 well, the the game today was alright though. It was actually entertaining, like um, because Evans and Julio were making plays all yeah, over the field. Yeah, I know. But Whenever your fantasy player plays well, you have a good day. But I don't know. At the end of the day, it just felt like an NFL game. It didn't feel like anything yeah. special, I, I, and it also it. It, with with Evans and um, also Winston coming out of it, you know, a little banged up. It was just like a typical, yep. you know, nothing went right for Tampa, really. Exactly. Uh, I'll say this as well. Simeon is playing against the Oakland defense that's 25th in passing and rushing defense DVOA. So they can really get the ball rolling. They've got a variety of options. They can run it down their throat and, and maybe develop play action as well and hit them with Emmanuel Sanders and Demarius Thomas. So there is options as well, but Oakland's defense has improved the last few weeks, but moving on to Monday Night Football, and the Buffalo Bills are playing uh, in Seattle. The line is 7. You can get Seattle minus 7 at $2. Buffalo plus 7 at $1.83 on William Hill. Firstly, what did you make of ESPN's like House of Cards Election Eve ads today for this game? I'll be honest, I didn't see a thing. Okay. 
I kind of dug Tell it. Me. They had the House of Cards theme music, and they were showing like Rex Ryan and Russell Wilson, and and talking about the game, and try to mix it up with a bit of election stuff because it's the night before the the election in the US. It was uh, it was pretty cool. But this game's really 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 weird. Like it's hard to judge these two teams at this point. Um, they just they've played in a lot of weird games, and the the off Bills offense. I don't know how they're going to score on this Seattle defense. We saw Drew Brees and 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 New Orleans get up and and get a victory at home last week, but Seattle are now at home, and I know they're missing Michael Bennett, but I just really worry about how they're going to generate points against this Seattle defense, who are playing really, really well. I I feel like their defense is somewhat underrated because so many other teams are playing so well. Really, really well, but didn't didn't they just struggle recently? You mean letting six points in to, to Arizona's offense? Yeah, no, I'm talking about, like, I'm, I know I'm not comparing the Saints and Buffalo, but Seattle was the team that kept every team under 20. And, yeah. you know, so, I mean, I don't know. Is McCoy playing? McCoy is expected to play. And I'll say this, Seattle's fifth in pass defense and second in rush defense. So they are they are definitely an elite defense. Oh, um, of course they are. But... There's, there's... Yep. Sorry, they're still the best defensive unit in the league to me. They're still they're overlooked by everything else, and you know, technically Arizona are the best defense in the league, aren't they? Uh, going off football outsiders at the moment, looking at defense overall. Defense Philly is number one. No, sorry, I think I think it's yardage. Oh, you're looking at yardage. Denver's number two. I'm looking just at straight DVOA, but Seattle, okay. Seattle, uh, are definitely a, look, they're, they're a top five defense. It just depends how you look at it. And you've got to factor in who they've played as well. Like teams that have played New Orleans and things like that, obviously are different to teams that have, you know, got to play San Fran and, and stuff like that. But I just don't know how the bills are going to score points, but Buffalo has actually scored 25 points or more in every single game, except one this year. And that was the, the 16 and 0 shutout of the Pats. So you can, I just, I don't know. And I, I don't know. Seattle have ten, ten have won ten straight home games against the AFC and ten straight Monday night football games. So I'm taking Seattle. There's not much. I can't really say much about the game. I just I feel more confident with Seattle. I don't know how Buffalo will win, but then I'm worried about Russell Wilson. Although the knee brace is coming off, so we may see a bit more fluid Russell Wilson. Ooh, no, yeah, I'll I'll have to go them too. But it does me you know slight concern that this might be a game where. You know, we, a couple of weeks ago, we didn't think anything was going to happen, and then they just turned it on, they won, and then they won consecutive weeks, and we thought, what the hell's going on? And I don't know, whenever the Ryans are backed into a corner, it just seems they just mm. find a way to get out. It's just... It's very Pagano of them. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. No, Channeling I, their inner Pagano. I but, agree with yeah, you. It's, yep. it's, just a, it's a weird thing. It's just a weird vibe I'm getting. But, yep. uh, yeah, I'll pick Seattle. Seven just seems like a huge line. I think Seattle will win this game. Uh, I have no doubt about that. But just whether they can pull away and put up points. Because Buffalo's defense is, is all right. But their secondary did get torched by Rob Gronkowski last week. So if Russell can get some time against, you know, Zach Brown and uh, Lorenzo Alexander, who are killing it right now, and, and you know, let, let some passes and some routes develop, I think they'll put up some points. But, all right, we'll move on to our lock of the week. The Wooten Y Lock of the Week, proudly brought to you by William Hill. Faster, easier betting. All right, Woot, what is your lock of the week? Last week we went two from two because we both picked New England. <laughs> By the way, didn't jump in this week. 
I let you play the drop. I let Axel do his thing. Yeah, well done. And then you did know, very well. Thanks. Very well. We're, thanks. We're on point today. Nearly, nearly, nearly two hundred episodes in, and finally getting, getting timing down, done. Pat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and then it's still one of our most, uh, you know, we've used the "do not stutter" button a record hundred times. times. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Saying that, uh, let's let's move on. Who I don't know. I'm struggling. I do like the Carolina and New Orleans. To be honest, if you want to pick one of them, I'll pick the other. No, I'm taking Green Bay minus 7.5 as my lock of the week. Against Colts? Yep. All right, then. I can bank um, on the Colts being terrible on the road at Lambeau. I can bank on it. Okay. I'll go I'll go Carolina minus 3 against the Rams. Yep. I think that's a, another good one. I just I am a little bit worried with that 4.5 with New Orleans on the road, but I think Carolina's a much safer option. Option. So there you go. Our lock of the week, Carolina minus three, Green Bay minus seven and a half. Lock it in, and that wraps up the show. Ah, by the way, I forgot to mention this at the top when we were talking about the Cubs. Yep. Um, do you remember those odds? If you were to pick all the underdogs, essentially, that have won yep. this year. So TAB put it out. If you had created a multi with all these underdogs. I mean, Cleveland weren't exactly underdogs. They were the second price favorites going into the NBA season, yep. but they're the outlier in this. So if you were to go, we'll start off with Cleveland. If you had the Cleveland Cavaliers who were paying $4 to win um, the NBA championship for the 2015-16 season, yep. uh, I think I think Golden State were paying roughly $2, weren't they? Something, something around there. Yep. Anyway, so... Cleveland were at four dollars. Then you have your your next uh, you know best price was the Cronulla Sharks to win the NRL Premiership for their first ever time. Then you move up a little bit and you go to the recent Chicago Cubs who were paying fifteen dollars. Then you've got the Western Bulldogs who you know weren't considered a chance by any to win and they were paying seventeen dollars to win the AFL Premiership. And then you have the huge, huge, huge underdogs who had just avoided uh, relegation the season before by one place, paying $2,001 to win the English Premier League. If you were to combine all of those and put a single dollar on that, you would have won $26,533,260. That is Take all them, honey boy. That's unbelievable. That, that is the power of sport. All right, so I'm just loading what up my hell? 2017 multi. Cleveland Browns, Philadelphia 76ers. Who else? You've, you've got to throw the Newcastle Knights in there. You think the Gold Coast Suns might be a chance? No, nah, maybe do uh, the GWS Giants. Just to... No, man, what are you talking about? They're, they're... Yeah, no. But, you know, to win their maiden and then we'll... Uh, do Hawaii have a hockey team yet? Let's put them in the NHL. I'll just that'll be two million to one. We'll go, yeah, we'll throw the Edmonton Oilers in there. And right. I think that's a real what, team. What's the soccer team? What's the soccer team? Hull put Norwich. Suck. Put Norwich in there. Just yeah, throw it straight a team in. that doesn't play in the Premier League. Let's put that's, them in. We're going to get great odds on that one then. That's Seventy <laughs> million to one. Great stuff. There yeah, we are. Little. All right. There you go. That's the show, man. That's unbelievable odds. All right. All right. Well, hopefully our odds this week in week nine with our lock of the week are much better. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at JYNFL. You can follow me at Woot, etc. Follow the show at Woot and Why. Please look out for us and our content on our website called Fantasy Stars. We're putting Moneyball content and episodes up there. And listen to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Wooshka, and Radio Hub. Peace out. Ladies.